Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And this week we have John Hood with us. He's the president of the John William Pope Foundation and has been a frequent guest on this program as well as a number of other public affairs programs. Writes uh, syndicated columns on politics and policy for the North Carolina for North Carolina newsmaker, uh, newspapers across the state and has been, as I said, a frequent guest on our program and someone we turn to for a, uh, a view on what's happening in politics and in government. And the reason we asked John to come on this particular week is we are less than a month away from the November 8th election, which will be coming up. And uh, so we wanted to get John to sort of give us an outlook on what he is expecting to happen, what could happen, what might happen. And maybe uh, he, he, somewhere in there, he'll probably inject his own views on what maybe should happen. So anyway, uh, John, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us. And well, it's always good always to have glad you to be back. I'm always surprised to be back. I, I, I keep thinking that the last show, you know, I said so many silly things, you wouldn't possibly invite me back. But so far, so good. Well, it, see, uh, anything you say makes me look good because uh, we all know that almost every thought I have is falls into that category. So anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, John, uh, let, let's first take a look at the uh, the issues in the election, and then we'll talk about how they affect each congressional district in North Carolina, how they might affect the uh, state elections, the House and the General, uh, the General Assembly, the House and the Senate, and so forth. But first of all, let's talk about the key issues, because the economy is one of the top issues right now. We have uh, both talk of inflation and recession going on. Uh, abortion, a big, big issue because of the uh, recent Supreme Court uh, ruling. Not so recent now, but uh, and then gun control, of course, is always a problem and even more so because of recent news events right here in our state of North Carolina. And of course, uh, the unaffiliated voters uh, and how they might turn out. So let's uh, first start off with uh, the issues and give us a rundown of how important and how they are affecting us in this uh, decision-making process for this election, starting with the economy and inflation and R, the R-word recession. There are lots of different ways to try to evaluate how issues affect and and define an election cycle. There's a lot of polls that just ask people what's the most important issue or what are the most important issues to you in an open-ended way, and people answer. And there are other kinds of poll questions where they ask about each issue. Is education important to you? Is inflation important to you? I think each of these has its flaws, and I think they tell us something. And you're right that they, I think you you left out one thing that's very important, which is crime. Um, the, the gun control issue is actually not a driving force, really, in this election cycle or usually any election cycle unless you think of it as part of a broader concern about safety and crime, which very much is. I would say the economy, crime, and abortion are the driving forces behind this election. So if we start with the economy, um, for most people, even during a recession, they don't really actually expect to lose their jobs. And they're right. Most people don't lose their jobs. Even in a horrible recession, most people keep their jobs. But everybody, just about everybody, is affected by rising prices. So inflation politically is actually 
more dangerous to incumbent politicians than a spike in unemployment is. I mean, neither is good. Obviously, recessions can are, are intensify people's reaction against the party in power. But what's worse than a recession that appears to cost some people their jobs is an economic event that costs everybody a lot of money. <laughs> and that can either be because of inflation or because people's incomes go down for some other reason. Inflation is really just reducing people's incomes a different way. And so um, I think inflation is is uh, really a voting issue for the first time since the 1980s. As we know, in the 1970s, it was a dominant issue. It, inflation was so high and it, it happened at the same time there were recessions called stagflation, slow growth or no growth. And so it was acute in the 70s. It was still a significant political issue in the 80s, and it really hasn't been since. So this is new. If I was a um, incumbent politician in a majority party, in this case, the Democrats in Washington, uh, I would be very nervous about this election just because of the price of bread, the price of milk, the price of gas. They have other problems, too, but that alone uh, could be potentially devastating. If we then look at... If we look at the fear of recession and you throw that on top of it, Don, people are also worried that they're paying more for all these things and a recession is coming in which I might lose my job. And now you've got the makings of a disaster. I don't know the Democrats are about to experience a disaster, but certainly on the economic and recessionary inflation issues, they are way underwater. President Biden is way underwater. If the election was purely about this issue, the Republicans would sweep the field. Let's move to that second big issue, because that sort of counterbalances what you're talking about. And that's the abortion issue, uh, because just as the Republicans would probably have a gain and advantage on the inflation and recession issue, perhaps the Democrats have a better story on the abortion concerns. If you look at the polling, I think that that statement is accurate. The Democrats and Republicans have had years to prepare for the for the potential overthrow of Roe versus Wade and the return of the abortion issue to state level regulation. I'm frankly quite surprised the Republicans never got their act together and had a coherent message about what they would do at the state level. Not, not so much in North Carolina, where I think the messaging has been a little clearer, but in a number of other states and a number of Senate races and governor's races, Republicans have been caught flat-footed. And the Democrats are saying, hey, the abortion rights are no longer protected by the U.S. Supreme Court, and they're in ri at risk, and these crazy Republicans might take away your right to an abortion. And the Republican response has not been uh, really very well thought out. Of course, most Republicans are pro-life, and they do favor restrictions on abortion. They Some of those restrictions are popular. You know, most voters uh, do favor parental consent for minors getting abortions. Most favor banning abortions in the late part of a pregnancy. The specific boundary line is sometimes debated, but uh, late term abortions, abortions after uh, a certain period of time tend to be fairly popular. Now, early, you know, in the first eight weeks, 12 weeks, something like that, those abortion restrictions are not very popular. And also uh, forbidding abortion, even in cases of rape and incest, is quite unpopular. And so Republicans have often allowed themselves to be defined as wanting to ban abortion from conception and or trying to uh, ban abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. 
And I know people who feel that way about it. It's their heartfelt position. They need to understand that is vastly far from where the public consensus is at the moment. So you're right. Democrats have an advantage on this issue net. Republicans have an advantage on the economic issue. The economic issue is more important to more voters. Um, the problem, in part for the Democrats, in addition to that, is that even though abortion is going to continue to be a concern for people for years to come, the acute sort of immediate response to the Dobbs decision has passed. If the election had been held in August, the Democrats would be in better shape. As Democrats freely admit, uh, as they look at the numbers, they're seeing that people are, some of them are turning away now from the abortion issues. Not that they don't care about it, but now they think the proximate issue is the price of gas, the price of food, the possibility of a recession and crime, as we'll talk about in a moment. And I think that's part of the reason why the Republicans' political fortunes are bouncing back. You mentioned the third concern is safety and crime. I, I mentioned gun control. Those things sort of go they're together. Related. Yeah. Yeah, they're related. Uh, but that is, in your opinion, I'm gauging this as sort of a third uh, matter uh, and will have a great deal of influence as far as what someone's final decision is on how they're going to vote. Is that correct? Um, well, for some voters, I think it will be the tipping point issue. And there's a we know that some races will be decided on the crime issue, Don, because both parties are running ads about crime. And they, that they're not wasting their money. They're not fools. The Republicans know they have a real vulnerability that the Democrats Democrats had this vulnerability in 2020. It's one of the reasons why the Democrats had a surprisingly bad political cycle in 2020. The the uh, soft on crime, defund the police, the riots that happened over the summer. This was a political disaster for Democrats, as, as many of them understand now, but maybe didn't understand then. And it really helped Republicans in 2020. Unfortunately, North Carolina's crime rate, it jumped up in 2020. It appears to have jumped up somewhat more in 2021. People are worried about it. And uh, for some voters who haven't already chosen a team, haven't already chosen a side, in the upcoming elections for Congress or legislature or, or uh, state Supreme Court, the crime issue will be their decisive issue. And this one also favors the Republicans. So that's why you're seeing Republicans running lots of ads about crime, not just in court races, but in other races. Uh, and that's why Democrats are running defense ads on crime. Some of them, some of the ads say, look, I'm not, I'm tough on crime, says the Democrat. Or uh, the Republicans won't do anything about guns, which is their response to this issue. Uh, again, net, this helps Republicans. The economic issue is bigger. Abortion and crime are somewhat smaller. Uh, the Democrats just, uh, the issue mix right now that, that voters are thinking about, including swing voters, uh, just doesn't favor them. That's just a bottom line fact about this cycle right now. And apparently the Ukraine-Russian situation is not a factor in this election at all. Uh, I think you're right about mean that. that yeah. I wish it was. I, I'm a foreign policy voter. I think that's the most important. If I'm electing a U.S. senator or a member of Congress, for me, the most important issue is always going to be foreign policy. I also have a, enough self-awareness to realize that that makes me a weirdo. <laughs> and people care about foreign policy, uh, of course, and they should. But oftentimes, unless it's a direct, like the U.S., military is in a direct conflict, you know, in a war overseas or something. It's not a voting issue. I don't, I don't think Ukraine is much of a voting issue other than it had 
the, the beginnings of President Joe Biden's collapse in the polls was his retreat from Afghanistan. That was the beginning of his political pro problem. Uh, it is accentuated now by other factors, uh, but it has weakened Biden's support, and that hurts Democrats. But as far as seeing ads about Ukraine, hearing lots of talk from candidates about Ukraine, it's really not there. People's focus is primarily on the economy, prices, crime, abortion. Well, that's, uh, that's a great summary of, of the issues. Uh, when we come back after taking a break, we're going to ask John to take a look at how this affects the uh, 14 congressional races in North Carolina and uh, perhaps the uh, outcome of the makeup of the General Assembly. If we don't do it in the next segment, we'll do that in the third segment. Uh, so our guest is John Hood, president of the John William Pope Foundation, frequent guest on our program. And our uh, program, of course, is designed this week to talk about the upcoming election, which is up and coming in less than uh, uh, four weeks. November 8th is the time, and we'll do that. So we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking it questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers for this week. 
We have focused on the upcoming election uh, on November the 8th and also a, a brief look at uh, two years hence on the gubernatorial race. And uh, 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 John has given us some interesting projections. Uh, uh, he has projected uh, an 8-6 split as far as Republicans and Democrats in the United States House of Representatives from North Carolina. And uh, John, I think uh, you uh, are guessing at this point in time that Ted Budd will win the United States Senate seat. And uh, we've also talked about how that will affect the national outcome. I want to turn to one other issue right now because we talk about this a lot on this program, but it hasn't come up in this uh, program at all. And that's the attitude of unaffiliated voters. And of course, while people are not affiliated with a party, they certainly have political views and stances. And most unaffiliated voters, if they had to vote either Democrat or Republican, would probably lean one way or the other. So what's your take right now on how important and how, if you were running these races, you would appeal to unaffiliated voters? Uh, that's a critical question in a state like North Carolina. Unaffiliated voters are, are now close to the largest block. They will soon be the largest block of voters. Now, again, many of them, as you alluded to, are operationally Democrats or Republicans. They just don't like to join anything. They don't join clubs. They don't join churches, but they might attend every so often. So uh, we, we have to be careful not to think that there's a third of the vote that is up for grabs. That is not accurate. Probably the number who are really up for grabs is something like 10% of the electorate or something like that. Uh, some argue it's even smaller, maybe 7%. Some argue it's 15. It kind of depends on the situation. In a midterm election, the number of truly undecided, unaffiliated voters tends to be smaller. It probably is in the single digits. Let me use an example of a race we haven't talked about yet that's very important to illustrate how unaffiliated voters, undecided voters, swing voters play. And that's the race for North Carolina Supreme Court. We currently have a four to three Democratic seat majority on the Supreme Court. Two seats are up. Both are held by Democrats. One of them is held by someone who's running again. That's Sam Urban IV, the Democrat who's running uh, against uh, a Republican candidate, Trey Allen. And uh, the other is an open seat in which Lucy Edman, who's a current Democratic judge on the North Carolina Court of Appeals, is running against a Republican colleague on that court, Richard Dietz. If the Republicans win just one of those seats, they will take a majority on the Supreme Court. If they win both of them, they'll have a five to two majority on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has been uh, handed a lot of politically potent issues of late, whether it be uh, the voter ID and the constitutional amendment to limit the tax rate in North Carolina, uh, whether it be the criminal justice issues, the, the constitutionality of various programs, whether uh, the court should order the legislature, attempt to order the legislature to spend money on public education, a lot of hot button issues. Now, a lot of voters don't get all the way to the Supreme Court on the ballot. They vote for U.S. Senate, vote for Congress. Maybe they leave at that point. Those are the things they know about in a presidential year. They vote for president and governor. <clears throat> And they leave blank some of the down ballot races, like very importantly, the Supreme Court. Uh, this year, both sides, the Democrats and Republicans, are appealing to these uh, drop off voters, these voters who don't finish their ballots. And disproportionately, they are the unaffiliated voters. You know, hardcore D's and hardcore R's, they vote all the way down the ballot, typically. 
it's usually voters who aren't quite as energized, they aren't quite as informed. It's just not, they're just not as much politically oriented. Those tend to be those swing voters who are disproportionately unaffiliated. And so the Republicans are trying to get people to finish the ballot, vote in these Supreme Court and Court of Appeals races by talking about law and order. You worried about the rising crime rate? You worried about the rule of law in North Carolina? You need to vote for these judges. The Democrats, what are they talking about? Abortion rights. I mean, other things, but primarily abortion rights. You've got to elect judges who will defend uh, you know, people's rights. Um, I'm not sure that really makes a lot of sense because it's not really a state constitutional issue, probably. But that doesn't mean Democrats aren't talking about it. So unaffiliated voters, most the ones who are truly up for grabs and not just kind of soft Republicans and soft Democrats, um, they are not as politically attuned. You really have to convince them that it's important to vote. Uh, this is a case where the issue environment helps Republicans. But some of the voters who are, sorry. While, while John is uh, choking himself to death and, and getting some a drink of water, I'll fill in just briefly while he recovers from his, uh, his uh, situation. Uh, sorry about that. John, that happens, sorry. and it always happens at the wrong time. And uh, so... Uh, you were on a you were on a roll there, and I think you had got so excited you just didn't know what to do. Um, the other I had question cold I several weeks ask ago. You, yeah. I had called several weeks ago. And I haven't quite gotten over it. Um, what I was saying is, those undecided voters, truly undecided voters, are the ones who are likely to vote for Senate, vote for Congress, and then stop. And so the parties are really faced with the challenge of trying to first get them to finish the ballot, and of course, finish the ballot in their favor. John, let me ask you about another block of vote that is surprisingly missing from most commentary. Um, we always talk in terms of the white vote and the black vote, but the Hispanic vote potentially is about 10% of the population, but that doesn't seem to be a voting block that anyone is particularly uh, targeting these days. What is the future of the Hispanic voter as far as having influence and in how elections come out in North Carolina? You're right that the Hispanic vote is much more significant in North Carolina in terms of just sheer numbers than it used to be. You're also right that voter, the Hispanics do not vote equivalent to the share that they represent of the overall population. Now, some of them aren't registered to vote. They can't vote. They're, they're aliens. They're, not, they're either legal residents or illegal residents, and they can't vote. But even Hispanics that become citizens are not always voting at the same rates as other groups. In particular races, Hispanics are already definitive. They, they already they, they become a key swing vote in certain legislative races, even congressional races, perhaps. The Hispanic vote is all around North Carolina, but it is concentrated in certain counties, in some of the urban counties and in some rural counties where Hispanics make up way more than 10 percent of the population these days. Um, I'm not sure I agree with your supposition that the parties aren't paying attention to them. I think they are. Uh, in both both parties have been messaging to Hispanics. Uh, if you are not a Spanish language primary user, if you're not, if Spanish is not your first language, you probably aren't getting the mailers, and you probably aren't the the audience for the ads they're running. But they do target Hispanic voters, and in the long run, 
the Republican ability to win competitive seats will be determined by how competitive they are among Hispanics, who are a growing share of the population. Uh, it used to be people talked about that and said, and that's why the Democrats have an edge. Not anymore, because the Hispanic vote is increasingly up for grabs. You can see it in other states. You can see it in Florida, of course, where probably DeSantis, the incumbent governor, will win a majority of the Hispanic vote in his reelection, I think, or at least close to it. You see it in Texas. You see it in a number of other states, Arizona. You see it in a number of other states where there has been a, a somewhat of a trend towards Republicans. Democrats still win the Hispanic vote by some amount. It's also important to not get too carried away with the phrase Hispanic vote because the vast majority of Americans who have Hispanic or Latino ancestry do not primarily consider themselves Hispanic or Latino. And by the way, almost none of them call themselves Latinx. That's a fake invented term that almost nobody uses outside of the of academia. They actually think of themselves as, you know, people from America whose ancestors came from Mexico, you know, or Mexican-Americans or Puerto Ricans or Cubans or Argentines or people from Venezuela. And trying to lump them all together and say, well, you know what Hispanics think is rather absurd. Yeah. It's much like saying, you know what Europeans think, as if there's no difference between what you know, an Irishman thinks and what a, a resident of Moscow thinks. I mean, they're both, in theory, Europeans. It doesn't really mean, it doesn't really tell you very much of anything about their their views about life or about politics. So I think that's the problem with even under, even analyzing the Hispanic vote. It's better to think about it in terms of uh, perhaps people with Mexican ancestry, people with Puerto Rican ancestry, people with Cuban ancestry, or Chilean ancestry, they, these these groups vote very differently from each other. They really do. Venezuelan Americans and people whose origins were like parents, grandparents are from Cuba, uh, tend to be Republican leaning at this point. Uh, most Puerto Rican voters, uh, pe people from Puerto Rico uh, or who live in Puerto Rico now are Democratic voters. Mexican Americans in Texas are becoming rather up for grabs. I think in Mex Mexican Americans in California are pretty strongly Democratic leaning. So this is why it's important not to, uh, to to paint in such broad brush about this sort of thing. We have a similar issue, Don, going on with Asian voters. Again, right now, not a huge share of the population for North Carolina as a whole, not a big part of the electorate. But I'll tell you something, if you're in Wake County and you're running for a seat that includes uh, portions of South and West Wake County, you very much attuned towards Asian voters because they form a significant population in those areas. And Asian voters, again, what do we mean by that? <laughs> do we mean people from Bangladesh? Do we mean people from Korea? Do we mean people from Philippines? Very different kinds of people with different cultures, different different voting preferences. Um, but I, I would say that the Democrats and Republicans know that the future, political future of North Carolina and the nation will be determined somewhat by what these kinds of voters who are not uh, white voters by our classic definition or African-American voters by our classic definition, but fit other kinds of ancestral descriptions. These are critically important to the future of our political system, to the competitiveness of districts and to the competitiveness of states, including North Carolina. John, I'm only going to have about uh, 40 seconds for an answer to this question. Um, but uh, does it bother you that the unaffiliated numbers of uh, registered voters mean that those people have effectively taken themselves out of the opportunity of public service? You've got about 30 seconds. 
Well, I would say that I, I, I think you're on to something there. People are unaffiliated. It'd be very difficult to win a general election, even if they got on the ballot. Um, however, people who are really politically ambitious typically register as Democrat or Republican. And so this kind of this this problem takes care of itself. But I think you're probably right about that. Well, it's it, it, it's a little bothersome to me. I'd like to be able to see independents can get on the ballot a little easier. Uh, independents being, for the most part, people who are registered unaffiliated. Well, thank you, John, for being with us. John Hood, who always uh, has very interesting observations about the political scene and uh, the upcoming election. Our program has been produced by Jason Cog, and he reminds me to remind you that if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast or selected segments. And of course, we will be back next week with another interesting guest, and we will look forward to having you with us at that time. Till next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.